Hey, thank you for tuning in to HBH Project Podcast. And on today's episode for Conversation Starters, I am answering the question, is Trump racist? And has he been hurtful to Black, Indigenous, people of color? And that conversation started because I had asked one of my pastors, um, well, more so challenge one of my pastors to see things from a different perspective. And one of my pastors from my previous church that I used to attend to is pro-Trump pretty heavily uh, voices it social media makes a lot of posts and being a woman of color I started to see that there was a a wedge that was being created and so in that I wanted to start a conversation and the whole point of this podcast is to start these conversations to bring up topics which are really challenging and can be really hard to sit down and talk about sometimes and I hope that as you listen and tune in this can just really give you a different perspective on something that you may not have thought about before and so in having this conversation with my previous pastor I had written a letter and so I'm just going to read that today for today's episode and so it starts how and why the former president was hurtful to black indigenous people of color people may not be willing or able to provide examples on how the former president was hurtful to black indigenous people of color because many feel at this point if people still don't see there isn't much that can be said or done to promote understanding The biggest thing I've learned is that regardless of how we individually interpret what takes place, there is always room for greater understanding. There are many statements that the former president made that were open to interpretation and some that were directly racist and racially insensitive. Some of his comments were potentially loaded statements that although he may not have directly said anything, it was implied or there were read between the line moments. Depending on your lens and perception of what was being discussed, some either felt it was racist and others felt it wasn't. And in my opinion, regardless of how it was intended, generally speaking, many statements impacts were harmful to the Black Indigenous people of color community. An example, referring to COVID as Kung flu or China virus are racial statements towards Asian Americans, whether he intended to be hurtful or not. When the Caribbean was hit with hurricanes that killed thousands of lives, the way he addressed the tragedy was minimizing, sharing that Katrina was a real catastrophe, implying that what happened in the Caribbean wasn't. He made statements on how the recovery in those islands were unsung successes, which is hurtful to the people who lost lives and lived without power and electricity for over six months. It's hard to define that as a success when you're on the other side. In moments like these, he may not have directly said anything, but the comparison of two countries, USA versus the Caribbean islands, he expressed a bias towards the powers and strength of the USA, expressing that other countries shouldn't be complaining about their circumstances because a true tragedy was the storm Katrina. These comments carry over to other statements he's made while in office. Trump's comments are hurtful. They lack understanding and are insensitive to entire cultures and ethnicities. This is defined as racism, prejudice, and bigotry. Use of terms like thugs and use of statements like go back to where you came from are loaded, condescending remarks dating back as far as the 1800s, carrying with it historical hurt and pain. Ignorant, generalized statements like these leave room for assumptions and could light fire in the hearts of those who agree with them. 
As we watched current events unfold, we saw how this encouraged others to see and categorize people of color as non-Americans who have no right to simply exist without threat. The way he expressed himself in regard to people, the people being predominantly black indigenous people of color who have been fighting this war for generations with the history of protests and low income housing both rooted in racism, remarks the caliber of the ones he has made go beyond the surface of what is being said because systems historically have been put into place like low income housing as the government's way of trying to isolate people of color in one location segregation to increase and maintain value of suburban neighborhoods. So statements like telling people they will no longer be bothered or financially hurt by having low-income housing built in your neighborhood cuts deep because of history, because of the people who predominantly live in one over the other, and that in turn transforms a potentially well-intended remark as racist. Protests also historically began as a way for the black communities and any minority group to fight for American rights that were inherently theirs, but was not being provided by the government because they were seen as inferior. So when the Black Lives Matter protests had more police and military presence in comparison to a Trump protest or protests that were held by predominantly white individuals, it spoke volumes. The difference in treatment of the people in those protests is prejudice, discriminatory and inherently racist. Trump called Black Lives Matter protest thugs, but addressed those who infiltrated the Capitol, who were predominantly white, in a completely different manner. When he had the opportunity to condemn the actions of the Proud Boys group, he didn't and shared, stand back and stand by. Again, never directly saying anything, but it was clear what he was implying. The statements and actions, or lack thereof, provided his supporters, predominantly Caucasian, a sense of honor and power over Black Indigenous people of color, leading to distasteful acts, some extremely violent, in which innocent individuals lost their lives. When he implemented policies where international travel was banned from predominantly Muslim countries, although his strategy and purpose was presented to protect the USA from extreme terrorists, it created divide. When extreme policies are implemented with no room or conversation to find a middle ground, an amicable relationship cannot be created. His actions and statements led people, ethnicities, and cultures to feel attacked. It then warps into a racial policy because it is implied that all of those people are dangerous due to singular events carried out by a few. This incites that all the people within that country are potentially dangerous leading to all Muslims are dangerous because mostly Muslims live in that country, and so on and so forth. Another prominent example was when Trump made decisions where there was fun construction of a border wall to intimidate immigrants from the South. It's the same sentiment. It is insinuating a divide from a population, predominantly Latino and Mexican, and inadvertently expressing that they are unwelcomed. It is a misleading play that prompted his supporters to place this negative perception on yet another group of people. With the Muslim countries, it's the terrorists. With the country of Mexico, he shared they're bringing drugs, they're bringing crime, they're rapists. When they try and cross into the USA, it doesn't matter that he said, and I assume some are good people, because he was racially stereotyping a country publicly. Both situations which at the core can be problems or concerns for any country were statements that were negative and extremely persuasive due to how they were presented and addressed. In a country like the USA, which is full of so many diverse groups of people, it can easily lead to turmoil. 
Trump having never appropriately addressed these situations was interpreted by many as a way to say it's okay, even if he didn't directly say anything about it. Sometimes, saying nothing is saying a lot. Additional points made by others in the community who I spoke with just to get some different point of views. Airports and towns had to place signs to warn black indigenous people of color to be careful when traveling due to the protests that took place in the Capitol Hill after Trump lost the election. Some felt DACA was a slap in the face. The Muslim ban was reprehensible. Calling COVID the China virus, he said Mexico was sending over rapists and drug dealers indirectly. Students of color were treated less than by teachers, mostly correlated to Trump's inappropriate and hurtful expressions that were now deemed okay. His policies regarding critical race showed he was upholding white supremacy and erasure of the truth of American history. Mental health and anxiety of black indigenous people of color folks increased. Many comments were paternalistic and upholding white supremacy. Like Charlotte saying, there are fine people on both sides saying stand by to white supremacists. When people share their experiences and they don't feel heard or feel nothing is being done to address it, it feeds into those racist and discriminatory remarks, thoughts and actions, etc. I feel that's what has begun to create a wedge between many black indigenous people of color attending church. His hurtful remarks were never addressed by the church. And even if one were not to necessarily agree to the undertone, if everyone is sharing their discomfort, then one should understand the effects the words, sentiments, and actions have, whether it is stemmed from experiences they have gone through historically, generationally, or personally. Respectfully, I do not feel the church did a good job of truly addressing the hurt Trump was causing by his comments, no matter how indirect or unintentional they were. One thought that came to me was this. If I don't believe a statement holds negative connotation, but thousands of others feel it does, then what is it really? If someone believes a statement or action of this magnitude to be positive, yet others feel the opposite, do we simply agree to disagree? Or do we lean into someone else's world to understand why they think and believe it is? When we begin to lean into the experiences and opinions of others, that's when we begin to bridge a gap and come together as a community and tribe. But as long as one side continues to say yes and the other no, we'll always have a divide. I have been reading Ephesians these past couple of days and it reminded me how important it is for us to all come together regardless of our differences and to be there for one another with love as our compass. God created us all so uniquely and different. We are flawed humans, each still needed for his kingdom, regardless of the views and beliefs we may have. I hope that all of this provides a different perspective and as complicated as the question may be, may provide some insight on my point of view as a woman of color. A quick glimpse through the lens of my loved ones and I in regard to the experiences of our world living as black indigenous people of color. In closing, I wanted to share a conversation I had with a friend who is African American. And as difficult as it may be, it is said with love and raw honesty. I wanted to share as a way to bridge a gap and create community while shedding light on another experience and story in hopes that people will begin to step up and use their voices, roles in leadership, etc. to address a systemic issue that runs deeper than any of us have ever been alive. I asked her the same question that I started this podcast episode with, and this is what she shared. 
Some people don't want to share it anymore. If people don't see how he is racist or how his rhetoric is harmful and such a threat to this country, they're never going to see it. If even after Capitol Hill, people can't see things, then there is nothing else additional that can be said or done to make someone understand a different perspective or viewpoint. It's exhausting to express and explain a perspective when you continue to have a conversation and it's not heard. Some people don't see the point anymore because it's clear as day. Why do I need to do the work when you are the ones that don't understand? It was never my job in the first place. Why would you not research it on your own? Your role is to dismantle racism, to research and have an understanding of something that you don't understand. If you took the moment to research and see others' perspective, you would see where they were coming from. Racism is not a feeling. It is a thread and was foundational to America's birth. Until we pick it apart piece by piece, it is going to live here and exist here. We will suffer from it while white people suffer it. It needs to be acknowledged. What we see that is going on is temporary, but the effects of people's responses and reactions of racism and the way these circumstances have made others feel will be eternal. The president incited a riot in our capital. He didn't condemn it and he shared he loved them, but didn't express that same compassion to black indigenous people of color. They were rioting due to their self-created loss of power. We were rioting for our lives, freedoms and rights the rights that every human being in this country supposedly have. We want to be seen as humans in the justice system, yet both situations were viewed as otherwise. And in closing to those listening to this episode, I really hope that you take a moment to just really listen to these words and and really just take a moment to step back and try and see a different perspective. Thanks for tuning in.